All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we're going to dive into Frequently Asked Questions episode today. We've gathered a bunch of questions. In the future, if you'd like your questions answered, make sure that you hop on Instagram at Michael Jammin Writer, where you can post questions on a specific post that's dropped every month or so. Uh, we'll gather those questions, we'll consolidate them, and then we'll come up and answer the questions we haven't already answered in another podcast or on some of the social media, or questions that we think are asked so often that we probably should answer them again because apparently people are not listening. Would you yeah, agree with and, that? Yeah, and the it's actually a tile that says screenwriters need to hear this, and it's a you know it's our little logo, and under in the comments section, you can just put your questions. Yeah, so drop in there, um, ask questions. Um, I'm assuming we're not going to go back to past posts, so let's make sure you add the, to the new one when it pops up. Yeah. Yeah. But go, f go follow Michael on uh, Instagram so you're notified when that happens. And uh, yeah, I think you ready to do this, Michael? I'm ready. I'm nervous. What if the questions are like personal? What, 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 if, what if, you know, some guy asked me a while ago, he's like, what's with your hair plugs? And I'm like, dude, these aren't hair plugs. This, this is my real hair. It just looks bad. Yeah. So like, I, like if, that wouldn't be a question I want to answer. Yeah. That's like saying I have hair plugs and anybody who's watching <laughs> this on YouTube, I'm completely bald at this point. Yeah. So. Your hair plugs are terrible. Yeah, well, let's get to it, Phil. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, so let's dive into some of the early questions we got. Um, so itsmora.com asks, how do you get the industry to read your work? Oh, boy. Yeah, well, um, it, it really helps if you're on – there's two reasons, two ways. If you're, if you're an insider, if you're a PA working on a show, if you put in your time after six months or a year, one of the writers will gladly, uh, will gladly read, you know, as a favor. They'll help you out. You're not going to be able to get anybody to read your work if you just blindly send it to any random writer on the internet like me, because a working writer is not going to be able to read it. For liability reasons, we cannot read unsolicited scripts because let's say uh, your, your, your show idea is about a talking dog. Well, I got a show idea about a talking dog. Everyone in Hollywood is a talking show, you know, dog script. And so now you're going to sue me because I stole your idea when the truth is it's just out there. So we won't even expose ourselves to that kind of liability. It has to come through an agent or a manager. So that's what you got to do. You got to get an agent or a manager. And uh, I talk about how to do that. On, uh, I know I know I have a video on Instagram on how to do that. So you can go back there and, and check that out. How yeah, to get an agent. We also had a whole podcast episode on that, which you can check out as well. Um, yeah. We dive more into that detail. I think it's uh, episode two, actually, where we go into that. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, next, breaking story for television. Now, that's a big subject for this. And I know, having taken your course, that you go into great detail. Yeah. I think you've got somewhere around 24 modules in there, basically just covering that topic. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So what, was there a question? They wanted to just know. Yeah. How do you oh. break story for television? Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can't answer that in a, in a short Q&A. But that, that's, that is the most important skill a writer can learn. And most, um, if you write a decent script, you may get lucky. But once you get on staff and you get farmed a script and you have to go out and write it, you really have to have an understanding of story structure. Because if you don't, you, that will be your first and last season on the show. And there's not a lot, they don't give you a lot of time to learn because it's not, you know, when you're a professional, you're expected to know this stuff. And if you don't know it, they will hire someone who does know it. And so it's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, it may sound cruel, but it's not a, it's not a school. It's a job and you're expected to know how to do your job. Yeah. So, to put that into perspective, I recently heard a, a showrunner that I know say that when you hire someone who doesn't understand structure, you're putting, it's like calling someone up from the minor leagues to play in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. And paraphrasing a little bit there, but it's, it's a, I mean, he, he had a great point. You have to be able to play at a professional level. This is yeah. the big leagues. And so coming in at a bat boy position, 
even in this league is pretty tough. They'll, they'll yeah, even through. if like if some I don't know how many people are, just got their first staff job, but if they did, I'd be like, dude, take that class, take my course right now, or because it'll it'll save you the uh, probably keep you from getting fired. <laughs> yeah, you know, because breaking in is hard, and once you break in, uh, you know, you don't want to screw that up. Right. You know. Right. Absolutely. All right, uh, great. Uh, I apologize. That was for Josh Krelov was the the person right. who asked that question. All right, Josh. All right, next we've got Duke of Deke, D I C K E. Yeah, royalty. Well, <laughs> hello, Duke, Earl. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> the Earl of Sandwich. When and when not to deviate in style, format, or showbiz process. Now, I think that question's kind of telling, right? I don't understand the question. Do you? Yeah, I do. So they're basically saying, when is it okay to deviate from kind of the standard format or style of a screenplay or oh. the show business process, like the established process? Oh. And, and, and so if I'm going to answer that question from yeah. my perspective, uh, I think that it, your course, again, makes it very clear. This is like Picasso when he's learning. Mm-hmm. At a young age, he was a master. And at a, as he grew in his process and became like what we would do, probably equivalent, 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 is that a term? I don't know. You made it up. Sure. Yeah, you're going to go get that. royalties every time equate. you say We will equate that to being a grandmaster. At that point, he started playing with form and style and shape. So I don't think that, I don't think we should be changing that stuff right now in terms of style and format, unless it makes it clearer to the reader what the intent is. You know, there's a, it's funny you mentioned that because I just happened to keep a, a quote on, on my screen from Picasso. And he says, he said, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. That's Picasso. And the point is, you can't, if you just start writing uh, and you don't understand the rules and you're just writing and you break them, you're a hack. But if you understand the rules and you break them, you could be a master because you're going to compensate for the rules that you, you go, okay, I'm breaking this rule. How will I compensate for the break for breaking that rule? And like you're saying, when you look at Picasso's old stuff as a kid, you go, this is a kid who understand he was, he was. He understood light and texture and form. Like his his early work as a child is really really good. No, yeah. it shouldn't be a surprise. And it was only in later he went, you know he started breaking the rules. So don't yeah, Phil's right. Don't break the rules until you understand them. Yeah. Now the second part of this um, is show business process. Now that could be a little bit nebulous. For mm-hmm. me, what I hear that is you know there are established ways of getting into the industry, but I would also say that the person fortune favors the bold. And so in the world of putting your content out there finding ways to grab attention. In the world of marketing, we call that a hook. What is mm-hmm. your hook? How are you grabbing my attention? And then the, to your point, the art or the structure allows you to keep that attention. So I would say there's no early time to break the attention unless you're not prepared for the big mm-hmm. leagues. Yeah, good. two good points, Phil. Yeah. Anything to add to that? Oh, I think I like, I like what you said. Cool. Uh, next, we have uh, A-Rip 3N Dragon. I'm sure. Why Why would your parents give you that name? That's a that's, terrible name. It's a strange name. Yeah. How do you get over writer's block? Oh, that's a really good question. So um, as a professional TV writer, we don't, we aren't afforded the, afforded the luxury of having writer's block. We have to produce episodes of television every week or, you know, and we don't get paid. There's a, we have a deadline. And if you don't meet that deadline, you're fired because the studio or the, and the network has to air these shows. Like, we don't get writer's block. You have so what you you fall back on the process, and it all comes back to the basis. It all comes back to understanding story structure. And um, geez, I even remember when I was on King of the Hill. I was on King of the Hill during nine eleven, and uh, you know those planes hit the building, and and the the whole country was mourning. And we had to come in the next day and write comedy. 
And none of us were in the mood to do that. And like, it was just, it felt almost sacrilegious, but we had to do it. That was our job. And so you fall back on, on the basics on what you understand. And so, you know, you, you, it's again, everything comes back to understanding story structure. So if you do, you don't get writer's block. You may figure, okay, I don't know how to fix this problem, but it's not like you're like, oh, what do I write about? You know, mm-hmm. you go, okay, how do I, if I may have a problem here, how do I, it's an opportunity to, to, to fix that, but it doesn't, it's not like you're blocked and you're like, you're just pacing, you know? Yeah. I was at lunch yesterday with a friend of mine um, and he's got a mat. He just finished his master's in screenwriting and he talked about when he was at UCLA, he sat down in his first writing class and he didn't do the homework assignment and mm-hmm. the professor just railed him. Like, how could you not do that? Why didn't you do your work? And he thought he was being cool. So he said, I had writer's block mm-hmm. and the teacher was livid and flipped out and basically wrote on the board that, and I'm going to paraphrase again because I don't remember exactly what the professor said, but something along the lines of that writer's block is the failure to get rid of your ego. Like it's just ego. And so outside of, you know, form and not understanding what you're going to write, I think that it's a lot of fear of how are people going to judge me or is this something that I'm doing? Am I doing my best work? Or what if this is all I have and I'll never have anything better? So I think it's a lot of neuroticism and ego that comes into play that that would stop you from moving forward. Yeah. Don't worry about doing your best work. Just do work. Do work. Yeah. Yeah. Work will work when nothing else works. Yeah. Right. Okay. Question. Right. And that was a Buddha quips. Oh, okay. Next, we've got uh, Frank James Bailey. I learned how to write screenplays from books by Sid Field. Are there different formats or is screenplay writing generally all the same? No, you know, a drama is going to look different from a multi-camera comedy, which will look different from a single camera comedy. This is how it's shot. Uh, Yeah, and you could find all those. You can go on the Internet and get sample scripts and you could say, okay, the the margins are all look a little different. And that's fine. I wouldn't get too hung up on. uh, You know, some shows are a little different, like, you know, like the Big Bang was a multi-camera show and that will look a little different from Friends. But it doesn't really matter. It, it's like this difference is slight. It's not, don't get hung up on the margins because no one's going to get hired. No one's ever been hired because the margins are great and no one's been ever missed out on the job because the margins weren't perfect. It's all about do you understand story structure. Boy, I'm like a broken record. I just talk about story all the time because that's all that's important. All right. Andre Hall asks, maybe a bit simple, but how do you just start a script? Well, we don't just you don't just start writing. You come up with and I, and I again I go through all this in the course. But basically, you talk you have an idea and you the 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 important part is knowing whether this idea has legs. Is there enough meat on the bone to turn to stretch whatever your idea is and to turn it into either a half hour television or a ninety minute movie or whatever it is. And that and that's the first process. Do I have an idea and is it good enough to write? And then once you have your idea, you what we do is we break it on the board. We have a whiteboard. We divide it into three acts. And then you start laying out the beats and scene by scene. And on a sitcom, it could easily take a week to break a story correctly. And I go through again. I talk about how to do this in the course because there's no point in starting writing if you don't understand what the story is. And then from there, we write an outline. And that could take another week. And then when the outline is finally done, you write this, the script. And again, for a, for a half-hour television show, it could take a week or two weeks to write a script. So, yeah. and if you're doing this alone, if you're breaking the story alone, it's going to take longer. I'm talking, when I'm talking about breaking a story, I'm talking about a room full of professional writers taking a week to break a story. So if you're doing this alone, it's going to take longer. Yeah, I think one of the best pieces of advice you gave me early on when I was just sending you stuff to read, you said, give yourself a month to write this spec. Like, give yourself time. 
You know, mm-hmm. you're not racing anybody. You have all the time in the world to do it and do it right. Yeah. 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 Let's jump ahead to another question here that I think kind of goes along with this. This is from Mazzy Hart. She says, said, when do you know it's time to stop editing and finishing touches on the script and know mm-hmm. when it's done and ready? Yeah, well, at some point you have to decide and move on. You're, there's no point in polishing this thing until, you know, over and over again, because the real growth in your in your craft occurs from writing the next script and the next script and the next script after that. And so don't worry about making this thing perfect. You have to let go. What I would recommend is let it go and then maybe come back with fresh eyes a couple weeks later and then read it with fresh eyes and you'll be much more critical of your writing. you will be like, oh, cause you know, you're looking at it as if you're a stranger. And then, so I would definitely do leave that time for whatever script you're working on, then set it aside and get, get busy on your next script. And you, you just had, that's the only way to get better. Yeah. And I find you stop being so precious about your words if you give it time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it's, so it's, too. it's not the last thing I'll ever write that feeling that writers sometimes get. I know yeah. I definitely do. Yeah. All right. Hopping back. RT San asks writing, how do you write for diverse characters within your story and give them diverse voices? Yeah. Well, on a TV show, that's uh, on a staff, that's more and more important nowadays. So they're definitely uh, hiring more diversity. So you, so you have that if you are, you know, in the room so that it, it comes out in the writing. But if, you know, if you're, if you're a white guy, you probably shouldn't be writing a character for about a, your main character, about a, a gay black man, because you just like, how do you do that? You can't do that authentically. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a good note from this from Stephen King in his book on writing. And, and I, something that really stood out to me is someone who grew up super conservative, my family's super conservative, and yet the things I write tend to be kind of taboo to my, my, the way I was raised. And he made this point, he said, your job is not to edit your characters when you're writing them, your job is to be a vessel for your character. So mm-hmm. what comes out on the page is not you, and you shouldn't be judging that because it's not you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if that character wouldn't do what you would do, they aren't, they aren't you. And I found that when I'm writing, um, you can get little bits of inspiration, what you might, in more, the more artistic side of this, call the muse speaks through you, or you have, you're channeling that character. Things will come through you that you would never think to say because mm-hmm. you're in that flow state almost, mm-hmm. and you're putting things out. But to your point, I think we do have to be a little bit careful that we're not falling into cliche and we're not using um, stereotypes when we're writing yeah. diverse characters. Yeah, yeah. One thing so. that might be helpful on this too. Um, as part of my scholarship through, you know, my Robert Redford scholarship, I had the opportunity to sit down and do some of the workshops they do at the Sundance Labs. And one of the processes we would do, we would sit down for our writing exercises and we would actually do like a bullet point bio for our characters. Basically five minutes, just write out everything you can think of about that person. And then we would look at situations from our own lives, mine our lives for stories and apply those to those characters. Mm-hmm. So one way of grounding your character and making them more realistic and entertaining to listen to is ask yourself a question like, what were three times I was lied to and didn't know it? What are three times that I did something wrong and felt bad? What are three times where I was sure about something and ended up being wrong? And then you pick the best one from each of those and you include those in your story as your character's voice. Mm-hmm. That seems to make a huge difference and it makes it way more relatable too. Yeah, yeah. Those are good tips. Good tips. I like those. Cool. 
All right, next uh, we've got TCS Big Head, working professionally with and without an agent. How big is your head? Well, um, it's hard to get work without an agent. It's hard to get an agent without work. So what, what you could always do though, you don't need an agent to write and you don't need, especially today, you don't need an agent to shoot your own, you know, your, uh, your own material. Like all you need is an iPhone and a $5 app to edit it. I mean, there's the bar, the barrier to entry uh, to be creative is has never been lower. It's never been more uh, more affordable. I mean, just 20, 30 years ago, you needed to have expensive video editing equipment and a camera. Like now you need your phone. So um, you can always put up work. And if your work becomes a big enough hit, either on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you're getting your audience, um, then, people, then people will find you. Hollywood will come to you. If you have something great with a big audience, Hollywood will find you. We've talked about that extensively as well throughout uh, other episodes of the podcast and yeah. on your social media as well. Some examples of people who've done that. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're looking at that. Yeah, go um, follow those uh, episodes. Yeah. And on a more literal sense, you know, like I know of a writer who who's basically a script coordinator who got offered a freelance script and they didn't need an agent to be paid for that script. Right, because that person was already on the inside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My opinion is probably the time to try to find an agent so that you can give that agent a free bluebird. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, we talked about that as well. Here's some free commission for you. Um, just rep me, and then you have an agent now. Yeah. Yeah. But that helps. okay, <clears throat> let's hop over to our private Facebook group. These are people who've joined or purchased the course in the past. Um, and Dave Crossman, who's been an early member and an active member of your community, there has a bunch of questions. So I'm going to scatter his questions in here because uh, you know I think they're pretty good. Yeah. They uh, first, good. first question: After an outline for a script is agreed upon in a writer's room. What is the process or criteria for who is assigned the first draft? That depends on the show. Often, if the germ of the idea came from a writer who pitched it, that person will have first dibs, you know, because they brought in the small idea and that turned into a bigger idea. Sometimes uh, the idea just comes out of the room or maybe it comes from the showrunner and the showrunner will say later, we'll pull, pull a writer's head, hey, uh, or, or maybe let's say the whole staff, what are your first, second, and third picks for, for stories? We, we, we break all the stories first, and then they'll say, what are you, which ones do you relate to the most? Uh, and then you'll get your choice. That's a good way of doing it, because you never want to write a story that you don't either have a connection to or you don't understand. Sometimes you'll be in the writer's room, and I just can't, you know, you can't get behind the story. Like, that one doesn't, I can't really get into it. I don't really understand it well enough. Um, and so I don't really relate to it. So you really want to write this, the one that you that you've, you can have feel like you have the most either most ownership of or you can relate to the best. Yeah, that's good enough. Hi guys, it's Michael Jammin. I wanted to take a break from talking and talk just a little bit more. I think a lot of you people are getting bad advice on the internet. Many of you want to break into the industry as writers or directors or actors, and some of you are paying for this advice on the internet. It's just bad. And as a working TV writer and showrunner, this burns my butt. So my goal is to flush a lot of this bad stuff out of your head and replace it with stuff that's actually going to help you. So I post daily tips on social media. Go follow me at Michael Jammin Writer. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. And let's be honest, if you don't have time, like just two minutes a day towards improving your craft, it's not going to happen. So go make it happen for you at Michael Jammin Writer. Okay, now back to my previous one. It looks like MIJ.017 asks, where in LA should a screenwriter, actor, director move to? What street? 
Yeah, like I think you know, LA. For most people who don't know, I, I just learned this too. Los Angeles County is has more population than forty eight other states in the country. Oh wow! So it's a you, massive space. So I think it's like regionally. Where should I be? LA is a big, and it's it's kind of expensive. There are two hubs. I would say you wouldn't be close to the Valley, like anywhere near Burbank, where a lot of the studios are. I'm in the Valley. You, you're in the far side of the Valley. You have I, a little bit of. I am out in the middle of nowhere. Well, I think I think one of my bosses on our on Tacoma FD referred to it as the dark side of hell. It's, it's a little far. It's just <laughs> you want to be close enough to drive. That's all. Um, but or you could be close to anywhere close to Hollywood. But um, you know you don't want to be like Long Beach would be like too far away. So keep in mind, traffic in LA is, is terrible. You never really want to be further than an hour and a half away from a hub, which would be either Hollywood or, or Burbank. Yeah, and to, let me put that into perspective too. I remember when I first moved to LA, I'm used to like Arizona and New Mexico and Utah and other Southwestern states where if it says I'm 20 miles away from someone, it's 22, mile, 22 minutes to get there. Yeah. It's a minute to the freeway, 60 miles per hour on the freeway, a minute off the freeway and I'm there. Well, I remember I was talking to you and I was going to come over to your house and I was like, oh yeah, look, you're like 15 miles from me. I should be there in like 16, 20 minutes. Yeah, you're like, no uh, think again, bro. Like in the middle of the day, it's still like a 35 minute drive to get to your yeah. house. There's always terrible traffic. Yeah. Yep. So an hour and a half is still like, that could be me going to Burbank from my house at 5 p.m. Yeah. Just depends. Sorry, we can't be more help than that. But. Yep. Alexander Knapp, how much do you outline and go over character and story arcs before you initially write your script? Very thoroughly. And an outline might be, for a half hour show, might be 10 pages. So there's no stone left unturned. You want to, uh, because they want the showrunner or the writing staff to check off on everything. Does this make sense? Do you, are we, do, you know, are we missing their holes here or gaps or logic gaps here? So an outline, you really want to work off the, that outline. And then when you go to, when you go to draft, there's still plenty of opportunity to be creative. There's lots of questions that are left on initials that you only discover when you start typing it. So. I found, and I think this is something I learned from your course specifically, um, spend as much time as possible in the outline, breaking yeah. the story and in the outline. And that makes the writing much easier. So I'm currently wrapping up a, a first draft on a new pilot and I'm literally just going through my outline and I'm just fleshing out the outline now. Step yeah. by step. So I always know what's going to come next. And that's yeah. been incredibly helpful. It's it's not as fun as just typing, but it's it's more helpful. Yeah. You know? it's, it's not as romantic, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, back in the Facebook group, Dave asked another question. With the okay. smaller episode orders for shows in a season moving from like 10 instead of 24, I think it was actually more like 22, is there less blue sky time in the room and more push to be pro producing pages faster? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the industry has really changed a lot in 10 years. Um, it used to be where, yeah, you have a longer order and you'd have a longer pre-production time. And during that pre-production, you'd start breaking stories. Then you start filming in production, but you still keep the writer's room going and you're working on the episode, subsequent episodes. And so it's uh, there's a lot of work to be done. But now the orders are shorter, the budgets are smaller, and the expectation I, find, I found is that uh, writers often will just be around just for pre-production. The writer's room is are just during their pre-production, during that time, during that 10-week time. Let's say you have 10 weeks to write 10 episodes. That's not enough time, guys. Like it really isn't 10 weeks to make 10 episodes of TV, right? It's just not enough time. Mm -hmm. So you got to hit the ball, hit the ground running. That's This This falls on the showrunner to know what uh, what he or she wants to, stories that they want to tell. And, you know, there's not a lot of time for just messing around. And once... um. 
especially in a single camera show. Once that 10 weeks is up, we start shooting and the writer staff is gone. Maybe they'll keep on one or two writers just to do some rewriting. Often that's not the case though. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it has its own challenges in order to make that work. The, 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 I think the studios and the networks know that it's, it's a lot to ask. So they tend to give fewer notes because there's just not enough time to rewrite. You have to mm. put the show up. So mm, that's interesting. It's good to know. All right. Um, going back to some, I think this is kind of a note with some of our other questions, but hey, Roy Stytus. Wow. Roy. Wow. That's a, hey, Roy Stytus 12. I apologize. Okay. I butchered 12 because there's 11 others. <clears throat> there are 11 other of that name. How do you know when your script is good enough to potentially sell? And I think that's kind of piggybacking off of uh, how do you know when it's done? Yeah. Right. I had a writing teacher who used to say, well, you throw it out the window and if someone picks it up and, and, you know, and you're hired, you could drive down to Hollywood, you throw it out the window. And he was, he was being glib or flip, but there's some truth to that. Like people often say, well, how do I get into the right hands? And the, the point is, if you, if you get into any hands, your script should be so good that it doesn't matter whose hands you put it in. They'll read it and they go, man, this is great. So uh, how do you know when it's, you know, you show it to someone, show it to someone even if they're not in the business, I know I'm jumping around here, but even if they're not in the business, you ask them, Do, did you enjoy reading this? And they might say, well, I don't know how to read a script. No, that's not the question. The question is, do you want to turn the page? Do you want to find out what happens next? So you don't need to be a professional or industry insider to know that. Are, do you, are you engrossed in the story? Do you, are you turning the page? Are you, or does it feel like a homework assignment? Does reading it feel like a homework assignment? Mm. And so when you share it with someone, a friend, a loved one, family member, whatever, Ask them that, and your mom's not going to tell you the truth. Find someone who'll tell you the truth. Are you enjoying reading this? And they're they, like I said, they're going to say, "Well, I don't really know." No, are you enjoying reading it? Yeah, I think on that note, to compare that to the business world, a guy named Tim Ferriss wrote a New York Times bestseller called The Four Hour Work Week. And he says if you have a business idea you want to sell, uh, friends and family plan is the worst place to go try to, uh, to pitch your idea because they all want to support you and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, of course, I would definitely buy that." And his response was always, "All right, great, give me your credit card." And then you'll see who actually wants to buy it. So in this case, obviously, you know, your mom or, or friends can't tell you, am I willing to, they're not going to offer you mid six figures for a script. But mm -hmm. to your point, they are the end customer. They're the one you're selling. They're selling their time for your entertainment. And if they're mm -hmm. willing to read it, they're probably going to be even more interested in watching it. Yeah. 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 All right. Catherine McGuire. How to get through the days when you are feeling unmotivated and going through a writing stump. I know we talked about that more. Yeah previously we don't uh, yeah again i don't want to repeat myself but you can't wait for ins inspiration that's not you have to just write and uh, put just put the time in you, every day whatever you're whatever you can commit to if it's 10 minutes if it's a half hour start writing and often you will find um you will find inspiration as you start writing you go oh okay this is an interesting moment or, or sometimes when i'm working on one of my own stories I find I'll take a, a jump. I'll jump from point A to B, and because I, I go, I, and but in, in between A and B, I go. Well, wait a minute, slow down. There's some gold in that. Explain what how did how did I go from A to B? There's got to be some good stuff in between. I, I skipped. I bet you a, there's a bridge I need to build, and I bet you there's a in, more interesting way to build that bridge. So that's kind of technique that I use sometimes. Yeah, I think momentum, right? Momentum is often the key. Is you have to just get things moving. Yeah, you're, yeah. Not, you're not going to get out of it. Don't be precious because even bad writing is better than no writing. Yeah. And to your point, like another note you gave me a long time ago, the first draft is the crap draft, right? It's the draft you're just getting through as fast as possible because writing mm -hmm. is rewriting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't, don't judge yourself so hardly, harshly. Yeah. 
K-N-G-Z-X-A-L-Y. That's not your driver's license. I know that doesn't say that in your license. Yeah. Uh, how and when to insert subplots. So I think this might go back to breaking your story, right? Yeah. So when you have a TV show or even a movie, you have your main characters and then you have periphery characters and more so on a TV show. You have to service these actors. You're paying these actors a lot of money. They're not, they don't want to sit in the trailer all week. And the audience wants to see these actors do stuff every week. And the studio is paying these actors, so the studio wants them to do stuff. So first you have to break your A story, what we call it, the main story. And then you figure, okay, that the main story involves two or three characters. What about these other two or three that are just sitting around? Now you have to come up with storylines for them. But first you do the main, the main story, the A story. All right. It's a great note. All right, uh, back to Dave in the writers group. I've heard the rumor that getting your second staffing position is harder than getting your first. Is there any merit to the rumor? And if so, what are the factors that cause making uh, getting your second job harder? I'm surprised that he heard that because I don't think that's true at all. I think your first break is the hardest one. Uh, and then your second break, you know, let's say the show gets canceled uh, or if you get fired, well, then, then everything's going to be hard. But if the show gets canceled... Uh, it's like you can find another job. Now you have a little experience. You may get another job. You just won't get a, a bump. You, may, you won't get a title bump. You won't get a raise. But that's okay because you're saying, okay, now that I'm, I have one year of experience, but I'm still willing to work at the same rate as zero years of experience. So I think it could be an advantage unless you've been fired. I remember one time I was on a show and they, one of the writers, the young writers, came off of a hit show. And, but he was only on that show for one year. And uh, the studio was very excited to get this writer. And I'm like, oh, no, man, this guy's going to be terrible. Because he got, obviously, he was fired from this show. No one leaves a hit show, you know. That, that, that's the question that I was going to ask is when you say someone gets fired, I, I think we all think of, hey, don't bother coming in tomorrow. Pack up your office is being fired. But there's this, the other type of being fired. Yeah. You, writers have a, usually a, a, an option. Like it can be 10-week option, whatever, longer. And, and at the end of the option, the showrunner will either pick you up or let you go. And that's what we, that's what firing means. No, you don't you usually hear like, get out, you're fired. You just, you don't get your option picked up. That's what that means. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, let's go to Amanda Vanderber. That sounds like a driver's license. That's a real name. Yeah. Do you have every piece of the story drilled in before you begin writing from the inciting incident down to the character descriptions? Uh, well, for the most part, yeah, yeah. You don't, you know, you don't. You're not discovering it along the way. Sometimes you make it to a scene. You go, wait a minute, I need a waitress here. What's this waitress like? You know, that that's fine. Yeah, and I think in your course you also give us a pretty cool tool. It's like a, a guide to kind of build out and flesh out your characters. Yeah, I found it incredibly helpful because it gets you past like they were born in 1968 in Mississippi. It's really more of, you know, like what kind of art do they like. Like yeah. what kind of music do they listen to? What are their political opinions? Like, yeah, we have so, a whole spreadsheet about that. Yeah, it really helps channel your voice of that yeah. character, which kind of goes back to that other question we answered earlier. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, someone's asking if you could teach them how to format a screenplay over a podcast. Which do you want to do that? Not really, but I mean, you know. Again, the formatting is not your problem. That don't like everyone thinks. Oh, if I get my format just right, like that, you're. These are the wrong questions to be asking. The question you should be asking is, how do I make a, my story more engaging? How do I know story structure? How do I learn how to make an act break pop? Like formatting. So what? You know. Yeah, yeah formatting is really simple. You just use a software and you yeah. implement it. You can read yeah. any basic screenwriting book, and they will tell you how to do it. And screenwriting software is so intuitive. You hit a tab key, and it pretty much sets you up for the next step. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
All right, Melanie Gillett, probably another driver's license. Mm-hmm. Yay, I can't wait to listen to the podcast. What advice would you give to a beginning screenwriter? Uh, well, story structure, learn story structure, learn it fast. I would say write all the time, write as, as often as you can. If you do not like the idea of writing for free or writing often, then screenwriter is not the job for you. Because we even now I have to do a lot of free writing and I'm a professional writer. Sometimes I have to do a lot of free writing. I have to update my writing samples or I have to, if I'm going to sell something on spec, that means writing it first and then hoping it sells. So if you don't enjoy the process of writing, if that kind of makes you sick and you just want a paycheck, the screenwriter is not for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zoe Kalp asked a question, which I think is going to be interesting. Um, it's really more of like a quest statement, right? It's a question statement merged. Okay. Uh, she wants to know the importance of script coverage. She says, I spent the semester interning in L.A. this summer leading up to my senior year of college and was really never taught, I'm assuming script coverage. So I had to learn the nitty gritty of coverage, writer to know samples. So I think the real question here is like, how do we do script coverage or is it important to know what script coverage is and how to do it? I don't think it's like... I had an internship in college where I was writing script coverage for a small production company. I go, well, this is so important. They would give me a book to read for the weekend. And I had to read this book and I'd write notes, like, like oh, basically a book report. What was this book? Would this book make a good movie? What was it about? What were the characters? And I thought, oh my God, this is so high pressure. How do I know? And it's just like nothing. Like I, it was just a book report for my boss to read it. And go, oh, this is a book about uh, people on a life raft. Not interested. And, and, oh, and or if I give it a glowing review, it's not like they're going to shoot the thing tomorrow. There's always going to be a million people above me having to make a decision. It's just a way of it's just a way of like a summarizing a book in, in a paragraph or a property or a script in a paragraph. So that the, whoever's read. So someone someone higher than you doesn't actually have to read the whole thing if they don't want to. So yeah. It's a book report. Yeah. And I think uh, this is another way of breaking in. We haven't talked about and I do know people who have broken in by being readers for executives, agents, and other people. So you're in there, you're you're networking and working with these people, and if you can do a good job and bust your butt, it kind of earns you some goodwill because you're saving them so much time sorting through stuff they would want to pass on anyway. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, and like 99.9% of scripts that get passed on, so it's not like there's a high-pressure job. It's it's just you know, making any contacts, like you're saying. But if, but if you can find that gem in that stack for them, that could be a huge payday for them, and I think that's where the value can come to prove yeah. yourself. But it's yeah. like, you know, my thought on that is it is a distraction from doing the thing that we should be doing, which is writing. Yeah, I mean, if, 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 it's, a, if it's a job and it's a little paycheck, great. Yeah, but yeah. Don't, don't let it take away from your goal. Harrison Savage underscore, which I don't, it's weird you put an underscore. Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. Parents, parents, parents flubbed that one. What else can you do to support your writing, like having artwork done? Uh, And so this might apply to having story Bibles. And this this is something you may not know now, because I know you've talked about how you don't really care about story Bibles and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, or pitch decks, that might be part of this question. I recently asked some people, they asked me because they were reading one of my scripts and they said, have you seen the story Bible for this show that we just read here? And I was like, no. And they sent it to me and it was just a pitch deck with a bunch of images. And they're like, we think it's one of the best story Bibles we've ever seen. And then I open up like the Battlestar Galactica story Bible and it's like a deep, rich world building document. So I'm wondering if these are, this is the under question or the subtext to this question. What supplementary material can you have? Well... Like I usually don't when we go, when we pitch, but I'm on a different level. When my partner and I pitch, 
sometimes we have photos of uh, actors we're thinking of for the part. It helps them envision it. Uh, if we're doing an animated show, sometimes we have artwork. Sometimes we don't. We just sold one that didn't have, no, we sold one. We just sold two. One had artwork and one didn't have artwork. But again, if you're a new writer, this is not your concern. Like it, it, the odds of you selling right out of the gate, that's not why you're writing a script. You're writing a script as a writing sample. And so how long should my Bible be? Zero pages. How about that? Because you don't need it. That's not why you're writing. You're, it's a writing sample to get you more work, to impress somebody with how good of a writer you are. So like, you know, I think that, I hope that helps. That's like, get this out, get this notion out of your hand that someone's going to pick you out, pluck you out and say, this script and this Bible and this thing, you're hired. Like, that just doesn't work that way. They're going to see how good of a writer you are and they go, ooh, I want to get into business with you. Let's work on something together. Let me farm something out to you. Let me put you on staff. Yeah, and I I do know it was an, an executive producer who was in the reality world and she was trying to transition into story. So she used some of her contacts and she was able to get in and the network was interested in at that point, they asked for a Bible. They wanted to see what the story, the series would be. So yeah. it seems like, again, if that's something they want, they're going to ask you for it. Yeah, and they'll and, and you could say, oh, sure. Uh, can you give me an example of a Bible that you liked? And then they'll give you that and you could just work off that as a, as a, as a document to help you, you know, come up. Cause everyone's going to have their, they'll have a different idea of what they want to see. So at yeah. that point you can tailor it. I've heard that for uh, treatments because I think treatments are something that are asked for and it's additional writing that's not covered by the WGA. And that's the exact question. Do you have an example of a treatment that you'd yeah. like so I can match it? This yeah. is half the time you don't even get them. They don't yeah. even send it to you. Yeah. This is busy work. It's busy work. Yeah. All right. Uh, beep, beep cactus says, I have a dramatic writing class for my senior year of high school, and we're mm -hmm. writing a full feature-length screenplay. What are just some beginner tips or common mistakes? We've talked a lot about beginner tips, mm -hmm. and it's really you need to know story and structure. Yeah, right. But what are some mistakes that you see beginning writers make? Uh, not, well, obviously not understanding story structure or starting the story too late. And what does that mean? I go into that in the course in great detail. Um, not, not having high enough stakes, not understanding what the story is really about. Uh, a lot of times writers, I see this happen all, all, a lot, especially in high school writer, level writers. Because I remember as a high school student right, doing this myself, I'd write lines and dialogue that I liked that, okay, it doesn't fit perfectly in the story, but I like it and I want it in there. And like, man, you are failing your job as a writer. Your job as a writer is to entertain your audience or your reader. And the minute you stop entertaining them, they will find something else to do. They'll pick up a magazine, they'll get on Instagram, they'll do whatever. So if you are not providing them with that entertainment, if it's just for you, forget it. It has to be for your audience. You're writing for them. Yeah, yeah, great point. So um, back into your Instagram with some of the newer questions in here, and it's really interesting. A lot of the questions that people are asking are really things that you've covered in your screenwriting course, and I think mm -hmm. they're hard to ask because this is like asking someone to explain nuclear physics to you in 30 seconds. Yeah, right. Like it's just not going to happen. And I know that's a, a broad comparison, but the point is we're asking questions like walk us through script to pitching to creating a budget and finally being a showrunner. Like we can't cover all of that. Yeah. So if you yeah. have more specific questions, that would be awesome to help us out. Um, but in the course I do, I walk you into how to, how to break a story, how to take an idea and break it. We don't yeah. talk about budget because then you don't need to worry. You don't, what are you worried about the budget for? No, worry about that when someone gives you a budget to, yeah. you know. Your line producer will figure that out. Yeah. Right. When the 
they literally the store the the network gives you a budget and then they yeah. figure out how to then spend. Then you figure out how to spend it, but no one's giving you a budget to spend, so you don't have to worry about that now. Yeah. All right, here's a good one from Felix Price123. As screenwriter as a screenwriter, how much involvement do you have in choosing the actors to play the parts you've created? If you are writing a movie, none, because the director would do that. If you're writing, if you are the showrunner of a TV show, all that those are that's one of your job responsibilities as a producer is to cast, and you have a lot, a lot of control over that. But in, in features, none. All right, Jessica Henry official asks helpful tips on piecing your notes together and what to do after you've gotten all your storylines down. So I'm assuming this is like post breaking it, people are giving you notes, and you have notes, right? So if the notes, depends where the notes come from, the studio or the network or the showrunner, you want to implement all, as many as you possibly can. If you Sometimes uh, I can't take a note, so we address the, uh, in, the, the intent of the note. So, you, you know, specific, I can't do that note, but I think I understand what you're trying to go for, so we'll, 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 address, we'll address that. Um, but the notes are coming from someone who's paying you. And so it, you really have to take the notes. And if you can't, you... Maybe you could have a follow-up uh, phone call and say, hey, I don't, can you elaborate this? I don't quite understand. But that's part of it comes with experience. Um, in the beginning, getting a note from a studio exec was like terrifying. It was like, well, how do we do this? And as you do it, learn more and more and you get more confident in your ability and you rise up through the ranks, you realize, okay, this is a small note. This is a doable note. This is a giant page one rewrite note. And so. Yeah. I, I once heard... Um a showrunner on it was actually on the documentary showrunners, which I highly recommend to people. It was mm -hmm. on Netflix. I'm sure you can find it other places, but there was a showrunner on there who said specifically about a story point, And I think it applies to notes too, which is if it's a lateral move, meaning it doesn't move the story forward or backward, just sideways, you get the note, like you get the, yeah. the, the scene, but if it improves it, then I get it because that's how the wire they're hiring you. Right. Yeah. It's ultimately those, they're just looking for reassurance that, you can do the best job possible. Right. Sometimes you get a lateral note. And you, and you, all right, fine, I'll do it because it doesn't make the script any worse. So you'll just do it. And yeah. sometimes, yeah, sometimes you get a good note and you go, okay, I should have thought of that earlier. So, right. Uh, last question, believe it or not. McBride2826 says yeah. to query or not to query, to call or not to call. So, specifically, I think asking about query letters. Uh, I guess for agents. I mean, if you're trying to get, if you're, if you're trying to get an agent, just know that you only have one chance to impress and make a good first impression and you don't want to blow that. Um, I think most people think they're ready and I'm telling you, most people are not ready. Uh, and I, I, I know this because when I'm staffing for a show, you know, they'll give you a stack of 50 scripts and all of them come from agents. So they're all writers who have gotten over that first hump and most of them are still not that good. They're just not good enough. So, you know, to query like, you have to know you're ready. You re you just have to know you're ready. And so your script has to be great. And so there's, there's no, I think people think, well, there's a lot of bad stuff on TV. I'll just write something bad too. And it's like, okay, but no one wants to hire a bad writer. It's just like sometimes bad shows get on the air and for various reasons that really have nothing to even do with the talent of the writer who's writing it. It could be like the actor could be difficult. You could have an executive who doesn't, wants it to go in a different direction. And so, your best shot is to be a great writer. Yeah, that, there's a great article, which I'll link to in the show notes, and it's um, by Ted Elliott and Tara Rossio on their site, wordplayer.com, mm -hmm. and they, the article is called Crap Plus One, and how your job is not to say, oh, I could do better than that. It's it's not one better than the crap. Yeah. It's being yeah. exponentially better. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. And that's the note of everything I've seen you put out in your course, on your social media, here in this podcast. It's be as good of a writer as you can that they can't ignore you when they have your script in their hands. Yeah. And you will get work. Right. You'll get work because it's in their interest. It's in their best interest to hire you because they need someone like you. Awesome. Well, that's all our questions today, Michael. Whew, we got a lot of questions. Good. Thank you for sending them in. We'll do this. We'll try to do this, uh, you know, every month or so. A long question and answer. Sounds session. great. Uh, again, um, I would encourage anybody who has any additional questions, go to Michael's um, Instagram, post that content there. When the next time you see that uh, tile pop up with the, the logo for the podcast. At, at Michael Jammin Writer. That's where you find it. Yep. And then if you if you want some more detail and so those more complex questions we talked about, I would encourage you to go take the course. I'm the one who begged Michael to, to build that for years and years and years. He did it for me. It was self-serving. I'm very grateful we have it and you will be too. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. If you're looking to support yourself, I'd encourage you to consider investing in Michael's screenwriting course at michaeljammon.com course. I've known Michael for over a decade, and in the past seven years, I've begged him to put something together. During the global COVID-19 pandemic, Michael had time, and I have to say, I wish I'd had this course 10 years ago. As someone who's personally invested in most online courses, earned a bachelor's degree, and actively studied screenwriting for over a decade, this course has been more valuable to me than most of the effort I've put in because it focuses on something no one else teaches, story. In his course, Michael pulls back the curtain and shows you exactly what the pros do in a writer's room, and that knowledge has made all the difference for me, and I know it will for you too. You can find more information at michaeljammon.com course. For free daily screenwriting tips, Follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.